Hi, I'm Sarah Stone and welcome to this week's episode of the Tennis Connection Podcast. This week we have Kevin O'Neill on the line. Kevin is a current coach of Katie McNally. If you've been following Katie McNally's progress, you might have noticed that her rise to the top is going pretty quickly. She recently won her first WTA title with Coco Goff at the City Open in Washington. Kevin has spent the majority of his coaching career working on the professional tour. While he did work on the ATP tour, he has spent most of his time working with WTA tour pros. Formerly, Kevin has worked with a number of top WTA players, including Mariana Lucic, Alexa Glatch, Jamie Hampton, and Shanae Perry. Kevin played college tennis at the University of Clemson along with Pepperdine. Kevin talks to us about the differences between the ATP tour and the WTA tour, and he also talks to us about coaches that have been mentors to him along the line and have brought him along to where he is today. Thanks for spending time with us, Kev. We can't wait to see you in New York. Thank you, Sarah. I am your host, Margot Carter, and this is The Tennis Connection. We're really lucky to have Kevin O'Neill on the line right now. So thank you, Kevin, for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. Uh, My pleasure. Do you think perhaps you could give just a little introduction as to who you are for our listeners? Uh, Well, uh, as you said, my name's Kevin O'Neill. I've coached on the Pro Tour. I've been mostly on the WTA Tour for the last probably about 15, 20 years, but a little bit on the ATP Tour sprinkled in there and been coaching professionally for about 25 26 years now i guess and uh been having a lot of fun doing it and get a chance to see the world and be around a lot of great players and a lot of really good people that's um sounds like it's been a phenomenal life yeah it's been so far so good i i've been fortunate enough to work with a a lot of great players uh alexa glotch um Carly Gullickson, Julie Diddy, Shanae Perry, players like that. Really good people, really good character people as well. And uh, Maria Sanchez, who Katie actually played in in doubles in the finals in Washington, D.C. I worked with her for a little bit. There's just various players. I also get a chance to work with Katie's brother, John. He's playing at Ohio State and and a little bit on the ATP tour now. So... uh, I've been lucky enough to be fortunate enough to be around a lot of really good people and, and coaches. Um, my former coach and, and kind of mentor, Steve Stefanke, and his brother also, Larry Stefanke. So pretty lucky to have a good support cast uh, around me. And uh, as well, my, I forgot to mention my college coach, uh, Alan Fox at Pepperdine University, who I talk with frequently as well. So got a good group of people in my corner. That sounds fantastic. So um, you mentioned that you've been a little bit on the ATP, but mostly the WTA. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, if you just had to pick out a couple of big differences between the two tours, what would they be? Well, I mean, it's just very vaguely, it would be one, guys are just more relaxed, easygoing, um, and they get over things much easier uh, on the on the men's side as far as coaching and, and adapting and in tournaments and, and winning and losing. And the girls um, just a tad bit more emotional about that stuff. They look at wins and losses and identify with themselves personally with a win or a loss. And guys don't do that quite as much. I think for the girls, the ones that can handle the winning and losing. Um, especially the losing from week to week 
they are the ones that build the handle having a long career on the tour. So, I mean, obviously you have to be good enough to be able to stand on the, on the tour that long, but they are able to, to be able to move on, play each week and be able to get the most out of themselves. And that that's really important to have a, a career out here on the tour. So do you think that this experience that you've seen from both perspectives of the tour, is there a different approach to your coaching between the two? And how do you manage that? Um, yes and no. I mean, one of the most important things I think, and I mean, Stephen mentioned to me when he was coaching me, I remember he, you want to have a relationship with, with your player to, so you can know a little bit how to push their buttons you know them well enough and they trust you well enough so you that you can be able to push push them a little bit and they know you're not pushing them in a negative way you're there all you're not you're not leaving them if they play poorly or or they lose or they don't perform or they don't perform for a few weeks you're not looking over at somebody else and say oh, i'm going to move on and work with somebody else you're there for the long haul and uh so I think that the, that trust factor is really important in coaching on both sides, but especially the girls. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a factor that a lot of people forget about. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, the, if you don't have, especially coaching the girls, but I mean really coaching anybody, if you don't have the trust and the player doesn't trust you and you don't trust your player, it's very difficult because everybody's on pins and needles all the time. And that's the biggest thing that I notice is when you have trust in the group and with the team, because most of, you know, we have, we have, we kind of have a team with Katie and John because her mom coaches also Lynn and then you know with her trainer Lisa in, in Cincinnati and then she works with the sports psychologist and her name is Barbara but we have a we're, we're a team and we're just trying to maximize Katie's and John's and any player that I, I work with is we're just trying to maximize all their talent and ability and allow them to perform freely that's a very interesting perspective, but I think that perhaps do you have some tips on like the best ways of developing trust or is this something that you just get over time? I think, yeah, you just, you get over time. You have to communicate well. You have to just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just like everyday life when you be slowly become friends with somebody. Yeah, you full of people in the eye, you have to communicate to them. You have to let them know you're really there for them. And you're not, you're not turning out the, walking out the door if things are bumpy or there's adversity, because in everyday life there's adversity. It's not smooth sailing. We're not, there's not, we're not happy every day for months on end. There's going to be days you're just sad. You're going to be days you're happy. There's going to be days you're just kind of normal. It's not one way or the other. And we're looking, I mean, tennis, and it's like a lot of sports, it's a performance. It's a performance-based sport. It's not really, yes, it's a, in, in the end, it's a, you're playing a game, and it's a, it's a competing and, and winning and losing, but the players that are able to perform freely, and they don't judge themselves on a win or a loss, they just play the game. And like uh, if you're playing cards or 
anything uh, any any game really it doesn't matter if it's a board game backgammon uh miniature golf any kind of game where there's competition and you want to win because i don't know anybody that doesn't want to win everybody mm-hmm. likes that feeling of winning of i know as you become a professional we tend to want to make it more important and all-encompassing and in reality it's not it's just a game we just do it for a living so we can do it at a high level so hopefully we maximize our earning power and be able to make a real career and you get really good at competing and then you get really good at being having all the shots you need to have in, in your game style that you like to play yeah i think that's very important all of that's very important so you feel like you've got a really strong team environment and there's a lot of trust within your team and that's how you're going to maximize all these things yes absolutely i mean it it helps i mean yes as a coach that travels full-time on the on the tour and with especially with the female player yeah that you 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 can do everything but it's a lot it's a lot of work and in in my in my I case, know, I yeah. remember. <laughs> I tried that <laughs> it's a, life. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but it also at the same time, if you're doing it with with people that are really good people, and their their character is good, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's just it's just normal. I mean, my dad was an airline pilot, and he he flew all over the world. And those days, he didn't want to go to work. He didn't want to do go do his job and. and fly around the world but you do it and there's days it's really easy and there's days it's just really like really easy and fun there's days it is difficult just like on on the pro tour but we're lucky enough we get to play a game and everybody uses games and tennis as a recreation that's not doing as professional mostly so you've tapped into one of the reasons i really love being in the tennis business Everyone comes and they want to have a good time. They want to play a game. They want to enjoy it. And that does make it a lot more fun. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned earlier that uh, you felt like you've you've been lucky enough to be surrounded by good people, good coaches. And, yes. And you have a good support system around you. Um, yes, Do you find do. yourself, given that you're in a role of you know, pretty important leadership within your team, uh, do you find yourself often sort of tapping out to your support system separately and for advice and help with certain situations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I talked to Steve. Plus, he's, I, I've been around Steve Stefanke, my, my coach. I still call him my coach since I was 11 years old. Wow. So he's, he's, he's become more than my coach. I mean, um, boy, he's, he's been a father figure in my life, big brother. He's been a best friend. He's been uh doubles partner <laughs> he's he's been there in every facet and he's, he's he's still there same with his wife lily and um he's created kind of a family environment especially with even with the, the his players that he coaches whether they're adults or juniors in in the napa valley in california it's a it's a family environment if he's coached you you're you'll know me i mean um i've met almost all the students and have helped them at at different times so i use steve i talk to alan a a lot frequently either by uh on facebook messenger or over the phone uh, asking for advice especially from a psychology psychology uh basis but um 
And, uh, I mean, if it wasn't for me getting a chance to be around Larry, to thank you back in the day, I probably wouldn't be coaching because he was coaching, he was married and had kids. And I saw that. So I said, oh, well, I know what I want to do. I didn't, I didn't want to go to law school. And <laughs> I decided to get into coaching. It's true that coaching tennis can be incredibly fulfilling. That's that's for true, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I, I love it. I never thought I was in a coach after I was done playing and whatnot. And I'm, I'm glad I made the decision to, to stick with it. Steve, Steve always thought I'd probably get into it, but I didn't know that <laughs> until, until later on when we had that conversation. But uh, I'm really happy that I made that decision. It's often an interesting pathway to becoming a tennis coach. I don't think everyone sort of sits down at the age of 10 and goes, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Exactly. It's always interesting to hear people's stories on how they ended up on a tennis court. And it's great to hear that not only you are, but you're also enjoying yourself because that's a good story. That's a success story right there. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's, you have to have fun in life, right? I mean, at least I try to have fun. And uh, we do a good job of that, Katie and I. And when I get a chance to spend a little bit of time with John, we'll take it in a couple of tournaments. I mean, you have to have fun. You can't make it. You got to get your work done. But at the same time, after your work's done, you got to have fun. Absolutely. Because the more, the more relaxed your player is and the more, the more fun they're having, they're probably going to affect – and uh, allow them to perform better. And it's always been that way for me. And, and Steve has always did them when he was junior Davis cup coach. He always made, made sure they were still having some fun along the way and, and doing some things. So we try to do that. I try to do that all the time. I think you've tapped into something really interesting there and something that I think perhaps is, uh, could be really useful for anyone that's out there competing or in the the lower levels of the tour especially with the ones that don't have a support system i think they forget to enjoy themselves i think they get so tangled up in the chase of the dreams that they 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 almost punish themselves into being the best athlete they can be and they don't realize that the mental state they put themselves just destroys actually their ability to have success yeah yeah you you couldn't said it any better i mean um it's very hard if you're not having fun. I mean, you just if you're enjoying yourself and you're having some fun, you'll be happier. And if you're happier, no matter what you're doing, you're probably going to perform better. Even if you're not that good at it, you're willing to laugh at yourself and you're able to try new things and different things and the whole thing. I mean, my generation in, in the States growing up in California, we didn't have scooters. We rode bikes <laughs> and we didn't have scooters. And then, Katie's generation, you know, they've ride scooters and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I've never been on a scooter. I'm a little bit apprehensive about doing it. But you know, she said, she's, you know, we're always poking fun at each other. And she's laughing at me for never being on a scooter. And I said, well, okay, let, well, let's try. I want to try it. And I did it. And we rode around Georgetown. It was fun. And I had a blast. So doing things like that. And she, she's having fun because she's kind of teaching me. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so you, you have to do things like we, I mean, with Katie and I, and I have a big proponent of this is you don't, you, you can do any kind of game. We play. Uh, let's say when we go miniature golfing, if we can, especially in the United States or you're traveling, you can go find miniature golf, but there's always some kind of competition and you're poking fun. And then at the same time, it's not, it doesn't get personal, but you're poking fun and then it heightens the the competition. And I guarantee you, I want to win just as badly as I did want to win in a tennis match. It, it doesn't matter if it's a tournament or not, you want to win. So you're always practicing that muscle, but yet you're having fun doing it. 
whether it's a win or a loss. So Katie and I talk about a lot. It just the goal is to perform freely, have fun, and compete each point. Just compete, not win. I'm not ever talk about winning and losing. We know that's inevitable. There's going to be a win or a loss. Our goal is to perform as freely as possible so we can allow ourselves, our physical abilities to come out and be as close as they can that day to their maximum. And if we can do that, the chances of her playing well are really good. And if she plays well, she'll have a chance to win. And that's all we ask for. And if we do that... absolutely fantastic what you're saying but sitting back here from the perspective of someone who's uh transitioned over to the more regular working world um (laughs) i think that there's probably some really good advice in there that we could all take on board just as generally a work-life balance and yeah i think people get lost in work as well yeah this this generation i think is a lot more affected with results, everybody, parents, society, results, results, results. Well, I can tell you we all want results. <laughs> I mean, the results, uh, when you're learning how to hit a forehand and you know you finally get it and you feel like, yeah, I know how to hit it, I own it, that's a result. You wouldn't, most, most people don't take it that way. They want to win the game now. So if you don't win the game, you're not a success, you're a failure. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. It takes time, too. If you're willing to put yourself on the line, it will take time sometimes to get get what you want. But if you're willing to go through it, you'll slowly get better at doing it. And if you, if you can do that, you'll be a success at some point. Are you going to win every time? Nobody wins every time on the pro tour. Nope. I mean, you, I remember telling a player once that I coached, he said, because she would have a tough time when she lost and it'd be two, two, three days where you wouldn't be able to get much done. And on the pro tour, that's very difficult because the next week there's another tournament. Everybody starts over again in a way. So I remember uh, telling her, I said, you have to change that perspective because there's an opportunity for you next week and next week. And I said, what if you get to the finals of every tournament and you lose? Did you have? Were you a success that year? You still lost. Like everybody else, lost a match that week. The only one person didn't. But would you look at yourself as a success? Would you feel good about yourself? I mean, you might get a little frustrated towards your 16th final or something. You can't get a, like you can't win the tournament, but still, you're you're being successful and you're you're doing something that's good and you're being really consistent, which is really hard to do on the pro tour at the pro level where week after week your results are pretty consistent i mean that's the ideal goal if your results can be somewhat consistent and you're getting some match wins every week whether even whether it's singles or doubles you're going to get something good and it'll make you feel good and you'll get some confidence and if you get some confidence oh that changes everything <laughs> the magic confidence yeah, that's it. That special glue it brings everything together, and all of a sudden, it can transform a player in any in any sport really overnight. Yes, confidence is is this sort of elusive thing. They say fake it till you make it, but people yeah. get caught in their own thoughts. I think that, and it makes it difficult even to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think people. They just get caught in because the the society and the world's telling, "No, you didn't win." Mm-hmm. How come you didn't win? Oh, you should have won. I hear should have. I you hear should have all the time. I don't. I mean, I, get, I when I hear people say that, I say no, no, no. You you might have won. You could have won. 
Okay, not should. That's judging. That's the people are judging that. Okay, I, I, I the should, should when people keep saying should, that creates pressure, and you're putting pressure on yourself now because you think yeah I should have done it. That's mm. for sure. I should have won. I say you could have won. I like saying you could, you, you might have, but you need to do these things a little bit better, and that would have given you a better chance to succeed mm. and get the and get the victory in the end. And because I want my players to be willing to go for it in any situation, I want them to play every point as every point's worth one point technically in tennis. I know we keep a score and they build and eventually win the game, but to me, if I've had a good conversation with Nicole Pratt about this, but the first point in the game is important. It kind of dictates how the game will start to be played. And if you get to 30, anywhere, any point where you're 30, you're close to the end of the game. So if you can really perform well on the first point and in the middle, in the 30 all, 30, 15, 15, 30, you can really do a good job there. You're, you, have a, you have a chance to be winning games. So you just keep playing. You just you keep playing and competing each point. And a lot of girls that I notice, they don't do that as well. They'll have go in spurts a lot. Guys guys do a better job, I think, of, uh, at times of competing for each point. But the, some of the girls don't do that as well <laughs> in my, in my, from what I've seen. So I really talk about that a lot. So we, we've talked a lot about how to deal with more negative situations and negative mindsets, but um, your player right now, Katie, has just had a really great run. And um, I would assume that you may approach the positive things just a little bit differently. You may have a slightly different way of dealing with success going forwards and expectations after having had a little bit of success. Yeah, I, I try to with Katie because she's still quite young and stuff but um, I try to make sure all uh, everything is about their game because like on the tour your rank you don't own your ranking it changes all the time you own your game so if you keep things focused on your game making sure you're able to play your game as much as possible or the way you want to play it as often as possible within practice matches within within the drills you're doing what um you're able to do that on a consistent basis you're going to build good habits and there's less thinking and you can concentrate on competing more but i I talk about your game it's your game you own the 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 wins and losses you can take responsibility for them absolutely because you're the one playing but if you go about your game and you make sure you have all the shots, you practice all the shots you have to have, like Katie's an all-court player, so we have to practice every shot, half volleys, half volleys from the baseline. you got to take practice swingers. you got to practice approach volley, volley, approach volley, 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 overhead. You're going to practice return and come in. you got to practice return and being dictated just from the baseline. You have to practice every scenario, and then you build, just make sure the habits are done right within the drills, within the practice sets, and then your habits take over. Yeah, habits are a very useful thing when they're good. <laughs> yes, and it's very important that they have to be trained. And you see, even if they're bad, you can break bad habits by making sure start draw a line in the sand and you, you start doing as well as you can or as as uh, clean as you can, doing it the right way that you want to do it. And then you just stay on that, and eventually your habits will be good. Yes. That's an everyday process. Yes, it is. 
<laughs> so you've had um you've been in dc yes and where to next then um i'll be in cincinnati this afternoon this afternoon oh that's where you're headed to right now yes cincinnati and then is there a break between that and the u.s or the qualifiers or what's the what's the schedule looking like um right now we got we're cincinnati and it's katie and john just found out yesterday i think that he got a a wild card into the qualifying which is exciting so both of them will be playing their hometown tournament and that must be quite a feeling yeah, and they're pretty excited about it. I've been fortunate enough to know the kids since they're about four and six years old, well, six years old. So it's going to be pretty exciting, exciting week coming up. But um, so Katie will be playing this week in Cincinnati singles and hopefully doubles. And then uh, we were signed up to play the Bronx, depending on if, how she does and how this week goes. We might play the Bronx or or pull out and just get ready for the U.S. Open. And we're not sure if she's getting a main draw wild card or not, but she's in qualifying for sure. So it would depend on what we hear. If she gets a main draw wild card, we might just play the Bronx in and uh, then lead into the U.S. Open. And then after, we're possibly playing the new, new 125 in New Haven. That's on the schedule, but I don't know. It'll depend on how the U.S. Open and if we play the Bronx, how that goes. And then there'll be a little bit of break, and then we're going to go play some indoor events in Europe on the WTA side, Linz, and maybe Luxembourg or Linz and Moscow. Wow, that sounds like a really good few months lined up. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah it's it's pretty exciting. It's always a lot of fun, especially Kitty hasn't been to the, the, some of those areas of the world, so it'll be fun for her and exciting to see some new places. And then... Uh, I, I I like I like traveling since my I grew up flying with my my dad being an airline pilot and flying on passes and stuff. I enjoy the traveling, so it's it's fine. It's going to be a lot of fun. So have um has Katie had much practice dealing with the larger tournaments? I mean, I know she had great success at the French Open Juniors, but it must be a little bit different when you're in the the main draw and everyone's eyes are going to be on you, especially in the hometown of Cincinnati. Uh yeah, I mean I think. Being in Washington, that that's gonna help her because when she played her matches, it was they had pretty pretty good crowds when she played her matches. And then when Coco and Katie played their doubles, they were their standing room only oh, crowds, even 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 for their first round in doubles. So um, it was uh, it was a good lead in to playing in, in a place like Cincinnati. Now if she gets a planner. Her, the home court and the center court there. It's a pretty big center court, but she's actually really good. She's a lot like Alexa. Alexa was really good in these situations. Alexa Glotch, who I coached for a long time and good friends. And actually, that's how I met uh, Katie and John is through Alexa years ago. But uh, her personality, she's very calm and cool, and she doesn't get very worked, so worked up. She, her personality is probably a little bit more like mine, just kind of calm, cool, laid back. Um, John's a little bit, he has a, he's got a little more energy in his personality than Katie does. So in these type of situations, I think she'll handle it quite well. That's, I mean, I'm so excited for her. That's a great achievement just even to get there and to be playing that tournament in her hometown. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's going to be pretty, it's pretty exciting. That's, that's for sure. I hope... She's a great, she's yeah. a great girl. So, I mean, she's 
doing the work. She constantly does the work. Never, never complain. She's very professional for 17 and has a lot of fun. So it's, it's just the culmination of all the things she's always dreamed of and wanted to do. So it's, it's going to be really neat to be a part of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I hope she gets to really enjoy the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Safe travels. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll talk it. again soon. Sounds good. Hopefully we'll get a chance to meet in person one of these days. Yeah. Are you <laughs> may, are you coming to the WTCA conference? Yeah. Sarah wanted me to do a panel. I remember I said, sure, I'd, I'd be happy to do something. So. so if we're really lucky, we might get to see you on stage in New York, August 24th, 25th. Yeah. You just might. Hopefully you just might. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll be there. So hopefully I'll get to meet you then. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for joining us today on the WTCA uh, podcast, The Tennis Connection. Uh, I hope you have the best time at Cincinnati and best of luck for the next few months worth of tournaments. Thank you, Marco. I really appreciate that. and uh, um, It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. That was Kevin O'Neill. I'm Margot Carter. You must subscribe because next week we have Dr. Mark Kovacs of the Kovacs Institute, and you do not want to miss his wisdom. See you next week.